Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Digital Drummer. This is Jacqueline Taylor Adams, and this is the Digital Drummer with Jim Newson with Urban Tech Fair Talk on the radio. I am his side geek kick and the producer for the hour. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm doing fine, but I don't know when you've ever been aside anything. Uh, you're a very dynamic woman. I don't even want to start that. I'm not going to let it get by. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, today we have a great show. Our special guest is PR Maven, Enid Doggett. Enid is the CEO of Inspire Media. That's I-N-S-P-R. Inspire Media, and since we are here on Internet Radio, let's take advantage of technology. And everyone, if you could take a moment, open up a new tab or window and go to www.inspr.media.com. And um, she's also the executive PR director for the Urban Tech Fair. So we're so excited to have her from the nation's capital. And we're going to be talking PR and tech today. So Enid's here. Hi, Enid. How are you? Jacqueline, I'm fine, and I'm so honored to have both you and Jim. And I agree with Jim that you are not the side to anything. (laughs) (laughs) You let us all know what to do. You are our chairman. You are our our leader for the... uh, Urban Tech Fair and uh, one of the uh, uh, dominant forces behind it, 
you have brought people like Ingrid and uh, uh, Lazone and others to the table and have contributed so much to this movement of community empowerment and self-sufficiency. It's all about discovering people with talents like yours that are hidden in our community that need to be brought out so that we can showcase all the marvelous people, organizations, uh, projects, and concerns, the positive side uh, of our community. Uh, that being said, I am so honored to have this uh, dynamic woman on the show tonight. I know we're going to be learning a lot. She knows a few inner tricks. Uh, she's been in the business a good while. And, Ingrid, let me take this moment just to say thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, to talk with us and our listeners. Uh, it's my pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. Well, uh, Jackie normally likes to start off the show. I can tell she's doing double duty right now. But she normally likes to start off the show by having our guests uh, uh, tell us a little bit about their background and how they got involved in uh, uh, technology to begin with. We like to say that, you know, everybody has a tech in them and that most of the people that we admire and we see that are doing so well in the field have small beginnings just like the rest of us. We all come from the same place. We're all moving forward in the same direction. Well, I I actually uh, came to um, tech do, doing more technology, uh, public relations work uh, through um, uh, uh, the McKinley uh, Tech uh, Service Center, which was run or founded by a gentleman by the name of Archie Prelo in 2001. At that time, I was in corporate public relations for uh, Catchem. Uh, PR, which is one of the top, the uh, world's top seven multinational uh, firms, and uh, Archie had started just basic computer training. This was 2001, and uh, he just saw a need for it in the community to engage and to encourage not just young people but our seniors as well to learn comp basic computer skills. At the time, there was nobody else in the D.C. arena, and this was through um, uh, a friend and current client, Tony Lewis, who uh, a couple, few years later founded the Foundation for the Advancement of Music and Education and also created a technology component for that. But there is a lot of energy in the D.C. community around uh, innovation and uh and digital motivation, and uh, one of the things that I am encouraged by the urban tech fairs, particularly under your, you, you all's leadership, is that we have people uh, that we have people that are very much engaged in digital inclusion. And I think that one of the things that you know we'll do as an organization is to link all those various components you know, that have hitherto in each of our major cities been operated as solo operate, operators or under one gigantic umbrella. Um, I should say by way of uh, career-wise, I worked for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation as their very first public relations director. I worked for WTOP Radio, and I worked for Associated Press, 
and a little-known station except for to your D.C. listeners. I know it's not little-known. It's uh, Howard University Radio, WHUR. I was a Capitol Hill reporter for WHUR, and I worked, Jim, for a station called OK on the weekends because when I was at TLP, I worked for OK 100, and the joke was it was an it was an urban uh, station, and um, there are folks like Harry Boomer out of Cleveland, who's now out of Cleveland, and Karen Slade out of L.A., and a whole lot of people that were affiliated with uh, OK 100. You know, that's an excellent uh, and very impressive resume, but we want to know about Ingrid, the uh, little girl, about the community that... Uh, you were raised in what influenced you just to go into public relations to motivate you to uh, uh, attend the college and to strive to be the best that you could be? Um, I, I, a lot of that has to do with my parents and a lot of really good mentors, but I dare say that probably my grand, my paternal grandmother, Viola Bush Doggett, had a lot to do with, uh, you know, my sense of self and, and the place I wanted to be in the world. She uh, was a force in Steubenville, Ohio, where my father and um, grew up. And she and my grandfather uh, actually grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood in Steubenville, Ohio. And they didn't grow up there. They raised their kids there. Uh, my um great-grandfather owned property in this predominantly white neighborhood and decided that his oldest son should be able to live in, at least at least live in one of the houses that he owned. And so um, my father grew up in Steubenville, Ohio, and I mean my, and my aunts and uncles. And um, I, you know, got from them, my grandfather was a rail, rail, railroad, railroad, male foreman, and he supervised six white guys. Can you imagine in 1940, you know, unheard of, and he supervised. And so he was on the road a lot, and so my grandmother actually took over the, you know, she ran the family, and, you know, there were instances where she decided she wanted to go to a hotel one day for lunch. You know, they said, we're sorry we don't serve colors, and she said, excuse me, you will serve me, you know. And, um, you know, so I kind of, I think her spirit, you know, led me to uh, want to, um, you know, do, you know, to move forward and to do some unique things with my life. And I also credit my father was an architect and the first African-American senior planner for the city of Cleveland. And my mother, while housewife, was really the one who encouraged all of her children to get into the tech sphere, if you will, because she really emphasized numbers and counting and things like that. And to this day, my brother builds his own computers. My sister, although she has some physical challenges, she still works very handily with computers, with software, with video. And, you know, I, I guess in my case, I'm the only one that can't, you know, get into a machine, take a hardware, you know, you know, hardware or fix anything, you know, so I had to turn to social and digital media, you know, and um, I think that what led me to this is that I was a journalist for many years, and a a fellow by the name of Tom 
Morgan, who's no longer with us and was at the Washington Post and later at the New York Times, uh, was the president of the Washington chapter of the, Wa- uh, the Washington Association of Black Journalists, and he noticed, he said, Edith, you're good at getting people motivated. You're good at persuading people. And there was once a a panel on how to get a job and how to get a job in journalism, how to get a job in PR. And believe on that panel was Michael Will, the Michael Wilbon, uh, the James Brown, uh, a, a local anchor, Pat Lawson Muse, and the late great uh, William Raspberry, Washington Post columnist and mentor to many people in the journalism field, and I was able to pull that panel together and get a lot of people, and then Tom said, see what I mean? Why are you wasting your time at, in radio? You should be in public relations. So the mantra kept you know, getting louder for me to take that career challenge and to do a lot of the things that I got became later engaged in, and I am, you know, worked with some really great people first at um, – yeah, after leaving the Congressional Black Caucus, I worked with Greer Margolis Mitchell and worked on the Clinton 92 campaign and the, um, then the Clinton 96 campaign and, um, and among other things. And I got to work with a wide range of people. The first uh, tobacco settlement, I worked with the attorney generals. I helped launch a lot of products that are well known today uh but in you know the, you know they started off in grassroots and public relations efforts and now that brings me up to inspire where you know I really feel it's a personal mission to work with small businesses and nonprofits particularly those that are underserved or that don't necessarily have the benefit of expert advice you know I think that right now where we're dealing with multinationals that firms, and I have a lot of friends at those firms, they do amazing work for their big corporate clients. But, you know, the mom and pop or the uh, moderately sized nonprofit with a limited budget doesn't necessarily have the expertise or the the, uh, resources to devote to, you know, the, the level, you know, certain levels of, of public relations, but there are still options for them. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, with Inspire we strive to do is to help make them understand that there are options and that they do deserve quality, results-oriented, people-focused public relations. And, you know, so often, and you know this is true, uh, with small businesses, especially brick-and-mortar businesses, is they put all their money into uh, inventory and into the facility and forget to budget on the uh, marketing and advertising or the importance of uh, um, uh, marketing and advertising and launching a a new business. You know, what I hear you saying uh, to encapsulate kind of uh, what you said is that even though your, your parents were there and encouraging and supporting you, you had a lot of other mentors and a village kind of lift you up and encourage you along your way. Mhm. Absolutely. And I mean there are there are people to this day and they, you know, uh white and black who have sustained me and I have, you know, uh I I count you and Jackie now in that fold, you know, busy as you all are. 
Uh, but, I mean, there are people that continue to inspire me. I have, you know, Tom Donnelly's over at the Beekeeper Group, and um, that he has been uh, just an amazing mentor, as well as Candace Still, who is out of Boston and who uh, does um, a lot, has worked with a lot of pharmaceutical and nonprofit organizations in her career. And I call her my little big sister because I date her, but I won't say how many years on air. Uh, but, uh, they, you know, they've helped me, and then a, a, you know, Jamie Foster Brown with Sister Sister Magazine, as well as Jan Duplain, who, you know, if I had my way, the world would know who Jan Duplain is, and I quietly let her out. She, she is a socialite and a newspaper heir in uh, Washington D.C. But you know, people talk about have always said, you know, white mentors for white women, mentors don't exist, and this is somebody who wouldn't hire me for a job 33 years ago, but I said, you can take me to lunch. And she did. <laughs> and she and she has continued to, you know, she's still out. You know, she is doing amazing things and working with amazing causes on the international realm and working very closely with my Angelou's cousin, Gloria Herndon, on her issues as well as uh, the Washington Home and Hospice here in D.C. and other things. So there are people, and she's, you know, like I said, she's a woman of a certain age and she keeps it going. But I think the biggest mentor who I have not mentioned yet, but who I think any African-American in public relations will know is Ophield Dukes. And I know you guys have heard of him. And for those of you in your audience who have not heard of Ophield Dukes, Ophield Dukes was Barry Gordy's founder of Motown's publicist in Detroit. He was he did his first client was uh, Motown after he left his job as uh, Hubert Humphrey's press secretary. Yeah. So he was. I mean, he was uh, in the White House. He had a major role in. I believe he had a major role, and he's been a bit, he was a bit humble. He passed a few years ago, uh, but he had a major role in the Civil Rights Act and its formation. He was there in the room with President Lyndon Johnson when, uh, you know, the decision was made, and Lyndon Johnson told him, he said, you know what, I will probably lose my next election if I support this, but we're going to move forward with this. And also it always made his it his business to take, he took care of many people. He was an early supporter of our our, our Secretary of Labor, Alexis Herman, and several people in the Civil Rights Movement. He did the parade. He helped get Martin Luther King Holiday Bill passed. And, in fact, at his D.C. memorial serv- service, someone who asked to be a silent observer, and I know because I was, leaving out when he was coming in was Stevie Wonder. And so Stevie mm. Wonder just wanted to sit in the back of the church. They had two memorial services for Oldfield. Oldfield also did the first con- first Congressional Black Caucus. The dynamic, you've had some he dynamic people in your life. And, and I know yeah. I am blessed and I continue to be blessed. And, and, and Jim, he was 80 years old. He was still, he was sick. He still was working on pro- he still had a contract. He still had a government contract, you know, <laughs> on the table that he was working, you know, almost to the very end. And he uh, did a lot in the public relations community. And I think that is one of the reasons why, 
you know, I'm so inspired and I want to continue to help lift up people in terms of them being able to understand the value add of public relations and media advertising services. You know, our communities do not, I mean, you know, get the always get the benefit of 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 utilizing services because people think that like, you know, what anything else it's like it's intangible. They watch television, they read the newspaper. You know, they may say, "Well, the kids read Twitter and you know, I look at the Twitter or I just listen to the radio." So they think that it's, you know, like I hear something, I purchase something or somebody tells me something. They don't know that sometimes there are orchestrated efforts or campaigns to persuade them to buy a product. And the one thing I would say about smaller businesses and, and nonprofits is that you can't raise money and you can't, and you certainly can't sell your goods or your products if nobody knows who you are. Oh, so yeah. so often I say you can't give away gold if nobody knows about it. Yeah. But now yeah. uh, I know that a lot of the listeners are are, are waiting to hear um, a short version of your uh, your workshops on uh, on uh, PR and, and marketing for small business. But first, I'd like you to tell them a little bit of why you decided to get involved with the Urban Tech Fair and where you see the Urban Tech Fair as a benefit to. Uh, the D.C. community. Excuse well, me, Jim. Um, I'm sorry. Yes. Before we move on, I just, can you take a moment, Enid, because so many people, especially small business people, don't understand the difference between PR, marketing, and promotion. So can you just define what is PR? I think when you're doing PR kind of is. a, I would like to think of I, – I really define PR in, 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 in an interesting way, Jackie, in that I think it encompasses – it can encompass the other two. But re- basically what you are doing is taking – with public relations, you are taking your product or your re- issue directly to people. With marketing, it can and you can it can involve third party engagement or what I you know people have now defined as collateral. It can be an advertisement. It can be uh, uh, a chotsky like a pen or something that you give that contains your particular brand, you know. And then promotion is something that you can do through events or that you can do through words or briefings or things like that. So they're in terms of their their varied functions, they do tend to wed together in terms of a more united campaign. And one of the things when you're doing when you're when you are doing marketing and I had someone very unfortunately tell me, Well, I'm a marketing expert and they had their brand is still undefinable to to the human eye if you saw it. You know, I won't say who that is. But the the biggest thing with I would think with marketing is that you it is primarily your brand or your presentation, your company presentation that you are creating and, and building. Well, we have a it, it, <laughs> interesting. Um, so there's just a little background noise. <laughs> so um, Enid, life in the city. Yes, yes. If you could um. Okay, just take it one step further, and I only say this because, you know, I do marketing. 
so people, I run into this a lot, and I do, you know, some PR. Mm-hmm. But uh, explain to the listener, for the business person, if they were to, you know, contract you, what are the type of things that you would do? The would, first you know, thing I, I'd like to do is is examine their short-term and their long-term goals. And the thing that I find with most, you know, I'm beginning to find and and redefine the value add to the products and services that a public relations firm can offer them. Because a lot of people cry broke, and then, you know, I had one uh, would-be client who cried broke and then, you know, proceeded to buy his 20-person staff all Google Glasses, (laughs) you know, and I don't know if that, you know, that's an investment he could have made. You were talking about marketing. He could have created tools or he could have created a plan that would better distribute his product. Generally with marketing, you know, particularly if you're selling a product and you're going business and you're not necessarily going public direct but going business to business, you want a more aggressive marketing plan. And I think, you know, that a lot of times that you you do want to at least set a budget. Now, the one thing with public relations that offers earned media or free media and that generally you're connecting with your audience through a more public forum. You know, that public forum can take the form of literally a protest, a rally, a uh, you know, a news conference or or and or one-on-one communication with a reporter or with uh, someone in the, you know, if you're developing a grassroots strategy, then you do, and a, or a community strategy. I don't like to say grassroots anymore because grassroots kind of singles people into issue areas. But if you're developing a community strategy, then you're identified people in the community can help carry your message or your word plus perhaps some of your marketing materials like your brochure or things that, you know, Jackie, because one of the things that I know you do with the Urban Tech Fair, for instance, is you do a lot of electronic marketing of the Urban Tech Fair. I mean, across social media platforms and then through creation of products like, for instance, on PR Log, the, you know, the media room that you have. Uh, but um, I, and another example of something that's more marketing than uh, public relations is by, for example, I was at South by Southwest, uh, the uh, interactive tech fair, well, the interactive portion in Austin, Texas, and the Price is Right decided to broadcast from, you know, you know, they gave everybody a spin. They had a separate little will, you know, for the people that weren't going to be on the live program so that they could play the prices right. And then they had, you know, then you had an opportunity, you know, you could play, you know, the prices right to get on the live show. So, you know, they had a lot of options, but the thing that it did is that it highlighted this this show, which, uh yeah, I want to say dates everybody, at least that I, I hope there are more people listening, but at least it dates the three of us because we know that The Price is Right has been around for 40-plus years, but to me this looked like, you know, another marketing opportunity. Ditto, like, you know, at that same event, uh, 3M had giant cute 3M producers Post-it notes, which I love. Everybody in here can hear, and anybody that knows me personally knows I love Post-it notes. And they stacked, they had cubes that were built in the shape, you know, of a square shape of a post-it note, and they stacked them up 
and they had them in tents, you know, and you could get your cocktails and your Coca-Colas and whatever and grab your Post-it notes, which, of course, were uniquely branded with 3M's brand. So, you know, you know you weren't going to the dollar store to get your Post-it notes. You get your Post-it notes. 3M, we're the ones that make these, you know. So those are just some large, on a larger scale marketing tips. But on a smaller scale, there are, you know, there are things that small businesses can do, and that's where I think, Jim, you wanted to get to. And I think the biggest thing is that if you are going to, if you are not going to hire an expert, three things. Do go to your community newspaper. They are affordable. They do offer affordable advertising options, and a lot of times they'll do the graphics for you. The other thing is radio is not as expensive as it once was. I mean, it was, you know, a lot, a large trunk, but local radio stations offer rates, and they say it, you know, on the air. They're not kidding. For $50, you know, you can get, maybe you won't get in drive time for $50, but you can get an ad, a 15-second radio ad, and or you can get an online presence on the radio, on the well-trafficked radio sites, and a lot of um, the radio stations offer that. Now, television is a little different. I mean, in some of the more urban markets, they do have, um, you know, options that are under the $500 range for you to get, you know, a 30-second advertisement, which they will produce for you with your graphic and your logo, you know. And, you know, so there, that's one way to do it. The other thing to do is that if you have something that could be human interest, and I mean, you know, not just of interest to you, a, a news story, you can talk to your local newspaper and or uh, radio or television station news director. Those numbers are in the book. Now, I will say this, that most of the news, you know, that is kind of tough. I, in my business, we call it a pitch, and it is kind of tough because it does require a love, it does require some persistence because it doesn't really matter now what, um Media it is that, you know, it can be the small town or big town. Everybody is pitching news media. Everybody understands that news media is a, is a, is relevant. I'm, you know, and, and I'll say why again because the third thing I wanted to talk about was social media. And I do think it's still valuable to create social media platforms, but I think that most of the listeners out there, particularly small business listeners, need to understand that, Facebook does edge rank now participation and that it is a lot more costly to, I mean, while you, 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 unless you have a business where you have to show data streams, it's still a lot more costly sometimes to use Facebook for a promotion. If you have, you know, over 15,000 likes, it likely will cost you $300 to $1,000 to reach that audience of 15,000 through Facebook. Twitter is uh, a little more, little less expensive, and I mean they both are not. I, I will say this: they're not expensive options if you have, you know, a smaller share of likes. But as your likes grow, hopefully your business is growing too, so you can afford to supplement that. Those. Uh, the other thing, the fourth thing, is that there are community blogs bloggers and blog sites, and a lot of the community bloggers and blog sites, particularly in urban areas, they take advertising, 
you know, if you go to your, you know, just go to type in your city, like we have a site called DC Blog, which lists, you know, all the blogs, you know, on it. And you can find the blog in the, your business area of interest, you know, and you can just reach out to the particular author to say, you hey, I'd like to advertise on your site. A lot of these blog sites are, you know, they have sizable audiences. We have a blog in D.C. called We Love D.C., and they get probably, I'd say, about now they're up to a couple hundred thousand unique visitors uh, weekly. Uh, and I know there's a blog, there's a fashion blog in Atlanta where, you know, they're getting 50,000 unique visitors a week. I mean, so there are blogs all over the uh, the country where people, you know, because everybody says, you know, in, their, in our, our in my city, everybody says, well, I want to go to Washington Post or they want, you know, or you want to go to Washington Afro and you can also go to things like We Love D.C. or D.C. East. Uh, there's another thing called the Patch Community Newspapers. And Patch actually was founded by AOL, which is in D.C.'s backyard. But their Patch community newspapers, they have little mini community newspapers that are delivered regularly for free to subscribers' mailboxes. And you can upload any story. You can write your own story. Um, And I want to go back to social media for another, you know, another medium is because Social media also allows you to create your own media, publicity, advertising stream as well. Uh, you do have to, I think, Jackie, you'll agree with me that diligence is important, which is where I go back to why you might want to consider a professional. If nothing else, uh, you know, why that's a lot of activity if you're a business owner to sidetrack you from your primary mission, and I think that one of the things that, you know, people particular uh, PR, singular entrepreneurs offer is um, they get their time savers and they can come in because they know exactly who to, who to call, they know exactly what to do to help you to position your company or your nonprofit, you know, so that you can yeah. get that free media hit. Yeah, well, or I really can, believe, um, I'm just going to be honest, if you're serious about growing your business, I mean, definitely take um, the tips. But you need to have in your plan and placing your budget for a professional PR person. Now, you may only use them once or twice a year and for a specific campaign and then leverage that if you have a real small budget. But the truth of the matter is your reputation is of uttermost and if you and your brand is your reputation and your PR and marketing helps define your brand now marketing science of consumer behavior and the processes we use to move from a product or service to a sale PR is more than direct relationships and the truth of the matter if you if you're not used to dealing with journalists, I get people do it wrong all the time. They they say they do a press release. What they just did was an ad. There's a difference between an article, between a press release, and between an ad, and you have to know when to use which. 
If well, you I'll, I'll tell you, pre- Jackie, one of the things I say is that, you know, I'm always leery of people that believe their own press releases, and I think that that's why, I mean, because the one thing that that a practice public relations professional and or even, you know, a marketing person is not going to create something that, like I said, visually is unusable or unreadable to the eye. A marketing person is going to look at your collateral and create something or work with you to create something that when people see it, like it's your sign, whether it's your signage or, you know, how you stage your storefront, if you have bricks and mortar or something like that, that they're going to look at it. But in terms of just straight PR or working with a news individual, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes they make. And the other thing is understanding that these people are short on time and they are looking for stories, I mean, that are similarly disposed. And I think there is a science to it. Um, I'm going to go back many years because a lot of one of my – he wasn't a mentor of mine, you know. I mean, like I'd like to think I, – I know, you know, the joke could be, Enid, you time travel. No, I don't. But Edward Bernays is the uh, founder of modern-day public relations. And Edward Bernays is the nephew of Sigmund Freud, was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. And among the things that this guy did was to help stage the first NAACP convention. He not only, you know, worked with William Hearst to, like, you know, he did the Spanish-American War and he helped, you know, he launched cigarettes. He he had everybody smoking in the early uh, 20th century, but and later on, he founded the American Cancer, helped found the American Cancer Society. So you know, go figure. But he understood the psychology that was needed to motivate people to utilize his pro, you know, to utilize products or to become engaged. I mean, he worked with W. E. Du Bois on his conference and to form. I mean, you know, just to form the conference. So you know did amazing things, but the thing with people that don't don't understand is that there is a lot of energy, that it is a craft. It is not something that, you know, you can just pick up and do because, you you know, I've seen them do it on television or, you know, one of the things that I find with a lot of businesses is that they say, well, you know, the, you know, NBC called me up on the telephone or Inc. Magazine did a story on me. Well, the biggest thing is that you're not getting anything consistent for your brand. That's the one thing, those three things that you mentioned, Jackie, is that small businesses and nonprofits need. They need consistency with their brand to the audiences that they are trying to reach, sell to, or engage. Now, let, let me ask this, uh, you spoke a little bit about the uh, different uh, uh, price levels for a small business to get into, whether they're talking about uh, 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 radio, print, or TV. Now, you know, I was coming up, they always said that you should schedule anywhere from 20 to uh, uh, no less than 15% of your overall sales for marketing and advertisement. Mm-hmm. What number would, would you put? I, I think that that's I think that's fair, but I think that the the thing to understand, especially if you're a small business and you're talking about advertising, uh, is that you're not going to do a saturation buy. In the D.C. market alone, I think that they they spend you know in the millions they spend over you know forty forty one million in a quarter. Um, McDonald's does in a quarter. 
McDonald's does because McDonald's wants the three for. They want a saturation buy. They're going to make you buy that hamburger. If you listen or watch that television show for three hours and they've done a buy in that television show, you're going to see their ad three times. A small business, the thing with a small business uh, person is that they're going to have to be creative and they're going to have to do something that excites and is memorable in maybe the 30 seconds that they may have if they have well you know if they have enough budget to do a television buy the 30 seconds that they're going to have in in a, in the local section of if it's a national TV show for instance they have a local what they call a local you know the local drop and if they have 30 seconds in that local drop they're going to have to think of something that they work with a, a trained PR video marketing or advertiser to create something that's memorable because that's the one thing they need to remember when they're buying. One of the things that I want to encourage and something the Urban Tech Fair is encouraging is us to engage in buying our communities. Uh, by example, and I'll give her a plug here because I think she's doing amazing things, Hazel Trice Etney and the National Newspaper Publishers Association both offer services for uh, African-American businesses, and there's a similar form Latino for Latino businesses called the Hispanic Link, and they offer, um, you know, prices, you know, you can get for $100, you can get your press release distributed. For $200, you can get an ad, um, you know, so you and, and that's going to roughly 200 to 300, in the case of NNPA, roughly 125 num, uh, newspapers in the case of Trice Etney, roughly 400 newspapers nationwide, and that's not expensive at all. Um, Similarly, if you are doing, you know, I'm going on and on about prices, and you guys can stop me if you want to, but um, I think that you have to remember what you're purchasing. That's one of the things that I think, Jackie, why your counsel may be wise, at least they should sit down with a professional because a professional can walk them through what they are getting. Now, uh, Jackie, we're about three-quarters of the way in the show. Do we have any questions out the chat room or any callers on hold? Um, no callers on hold, but we do have a full chat room, including Lazone. So let's give Lazone a shout-out. He says he's listening in. And we have a few other guests in the chat room. But if you would like, um, listeners, Callers, if you want to call in, the call in number is 646-716-7994. And if you're in the chat room, please post any comments or questions you may have. Now, um, one of the things that you were focusing on from your experience, Ingrid, and I know that you've had a lot of uh, uh, corporate and and national experience with uh, uh, medium and uh, 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 moderate-sized businesses, but uh, assuming that the uh, average uh, mom-and-pop business on Main Street in our community is a, uh, a beauty shop or a restaurant or, or something that's uh, basically locally focused, what would you advise them in terms of uh, uh, marketing themselves at emphasis on local, whether you would say go with street teams, go with flyers, go with direct mail, what type of advice do you have? Yeah, for them? I I think that well probably and direct mail is an, is is an option. And there are like wholesale house, you know, they're the they're the houses that actually do the flyers that you know there's newspaper inserts and things like that. 
that they can do as well. And they can also participate in community events, you know. Like you can offer, like at the H Street Festival, someone was doing, you know, there was a salon that was doing nails, you know. Like, you know, we can do, we'll do like a polish change for you for, you know, book them in 15 minutes so that they could be a part of that community, the H Street Festival. Um, but there are community events where they can get become engaged. I think that there are, like in D.C., there are a lot of drop po- points uh, at in uh, businesses. I was just thinking about the Gala Theater, which is an Latino theater up uh, in Upper Northwest, and they have a drop point, and there's several. There's another restaurant called Bus Boys and Poets where people can just drop their business cards. But I think that one of the things that you have to remember if you're a small business is that you never, part of you never really stops selling, that there's always, you know, a networking opportunity, you know, and that's the other thing is to networking is paramount, particularly if you're a small business, within the people that are in your field of expertise and people sometimes that are not. But I, but you never really know when your personal contribution on a volunteer level is going to lead to more business for your business. And so I always encourage, you know, community engagement as part of any plan. That's for, you know that's free. I mean that may cost you some time. Um, the other thing is that there are community listservs that allow you know in D.C. and I know that they have them in Boston, Atlanta. Uh, that allow you know, like you can for your particular community where you are, they allow you. Hey, we got we're having a free sale on X, Y, and Z. You know, come join us for this. Excuse me. <coughs> you know, but you can give that. You they you can make offers through. You can make sale offers through the, those particular vehicles. And also, again, if there are is an event that's happening, like the fraternity sororities having an event. Offer your services for offer limited services for free. Tell them, hey, you know, I've got a silent auction. You know, I have this product, or I'll offer my service for forty-five minutes to uh, you for your silent auction. I just read where you're doing X, Y, and Z. I think the thing is to constantly be on lookout for opportunities to promote your product or your service. For the for for some folks, I mean, you know, my I happen to go to First Baptist of Glen Arden here in DC the D.C. area, and we have a Christian business ministry. And, you know, that also affords us some networking opportunity as well. Um, I think that one of the things, and I, would, I don't ever want to leave out social media while I was, I really wasn't slamming it for it not being quite as cost-effective as it once was, but um, it, there is an opportunity. But, again, you have to have somebody that's dedicated to it. And I, may I encourage people also to hire interns I know that's that's something else I think, Jim, that they need to think about in terms of their budget. If nothing else, and I won't say every young person knows about social media or knows how to utilize Excel sheets. I know better. Uh, but I will say that there are a number of peop- of young people out there that, you know, in the summertime or that may be in college in your community who are looking for opportunities to expand their wings in terms of their communication skills, and they may have moxie, they may have a lot of good ideas. If they're not necessarily good at the, you know, germane things to public relations or marketing, they may be good at things like event planning or even providing you with administrative support in terms of promotion and or doing public relations for your business. 
Now, uh, we have about uh, 12 minutes uh, uh, left in the show, so I don't want you to forget about uh, uh, my first question. But before we get to that, about uh, your position with the Urban Tech Fair and, and, and why you decided to get involved and volunteer with us, let us uh, uh, repeat your uh, website and contact information because this show is archived, and we want to make sure that uh, people that have uh, uh, more questions or want to pursue your uh, uh, hiring or engaging your company have a way to contact you. So, so could you give us your uh, contact information and your website again? Uh, our My uh, con- website is www.ins. PR Media, that's Inspire Media, dot com, and I can be reached by phone at 202 670 
uh, connected with Reba Watkins, who's with Everyone On, which provides um, telecommunication services to the underserved or telecommunications options. Primarily, that's for individuals, however, and I think that the Urban Tech Fair and its concentration on business and getting business engagement or, or and understanding and trying to raise awareness and thus business aptitude is critical. And you know we're taking a, a holistic approach to the community. That's why we have a three a three legged stool: access, education, and commerce. As I uh, write about so often, manufacturing is never coming back to the urban community, and you can't make a living off of the service industry. So we, as a community, must find a new source of revenue, new uh, uh, products and, and, and markets that we can tap into. And we have so many talented people in our community, uh, those that uh, benefited from the uh, 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 60s and 70s and now are retiring with experience in the uh, uh, corporate uh, uh, world and the uh, uh, corporate context, and just people of goodwill that are, are working in our community, volunteering in our community every day. And one of the secrets of Silicon Valley, which a lot of people don't really focus in on, is collaboration and partnership. Uh, anybody you name from Steve Jobs to uh, Mark Zuckerberg has somebody that they partnered and worked with to develop their program. And if we, as we said earlier, if we can come out of those silos and begin to reach out and create uh, uh, relationships with uh, similar businesses and and similar organizations in our community, we can begin to work together as a whole, strengthen everybody. I know it's an old saying, but a rising tide lifts all boats. And I I, I wholeheartedly agree, and I think that one of the things that's definitely happening in in the uh, D.C. community uh, is that there are, that awareness is increasing to build uh, in, in part through the Urban Tech Fair and then through one of our partner organizations, BDPA, I think that, you know, people are beginning to understand that, that we do need to do something to create jobs for the next generation, that it is not going to, manufacturing is not going to exist, at least not entirely, as an option uh, in terms of, you know, potential job growth, and I think that you're right on. And the other thing I think that we need to encourage, uh, and the one thing Urban Tech Fair seems to be taking the lead on, is increasing innovation. I mean, I think in terms of helping people to connect to the idea that their idea might actually change not just their, you know, could change a group of lives, that they too have the potential to build upon and to create products that can help, you know, to sustain society or help to build society or strengthen communities. I mean, I think that there are a lot of things that are being done. Like you mentioned, Lazone, and I'm so flattered because this is a brother who has just taken, you know, his community and then some to an, a whole other place in terms of, you know, being able to understand the the whole process of innovation and how it can contribute to the betterment of individual and community lives. Lazone is a very uh, dynamic and committed brother, and this is what I'm saying. There, there are a lot of people such as yourself 
that whether the urban tech fair was there or not, you would be out in the community volunteering your time, sharing your knowledge with those people that are in need. That's what the urban tech fair is all about, discovering Silicon Valley in your own backyard. Everything you need to succeed in the dot-com world exists around you or online and is readily accessible if you simply reach out and use some of the new tools and, and devices to uh, benefit uh, Main Street instead of just Wall Street. I, I think the other thing that needs to be said, too, is that I think that, you know, one of the things that I like about the collaboration between the various city leaders is that there is a measure of integrity and, you know, like you said, sharing and team spirit. And I think that that's one of the things I think needs to be, you know, can be transferred to, you know, the, I won't say it's just the mom and pop community because there are people that are rising in business spheres and things like that. And I think that some of the old adages and the old ways of thinking about how things can get done need to be thrown by the wayside as we're approaching this new innovation as well. I think integrity is just, a, you know, just just being, you know, you can't really hide. When technology, they can find out anything, <laughs> you know. I said, so you can't really hide. I mean, if you think you're hiding something, if you think you, you know, like the, the, the days where, you know, one could be, you know, you could, you could slick and slide, those kind of days are over. I mean, I'm not going to say that people, you know, that unscrupulous people still won't get, you know, some some mileage out of certain things, but I think that one of the things that's promoted, I think, through the Urban Tech Fair is a spirit of collaboration, sharing, and caring. And I think that's one of the things that I found attractive. I think the first, very first call where we had with, was it 15 city leaders, I was just blown away by how principled and how earnest and how committed the people that are part of the Urban Tech Fair are just not just with their daily jobs, but in terms of making this particular movement and helping support this particular movement on a on a regional and a national level. You know, I, I say this as a joke, but it's the truth. I have to credit uh, uh, our chairman, uh, uh, Jackie Jacqueline <laughs> Taylor Adams, for that. Uh, she's been known to be Mama Bear. You know, she she will come down on you hard if she even thinks something is a straight. But uh, she runs a tight ship, but she runs a good ship. Yeah. And, you know, we need more people like her, more people like you to volunteer. This is a grassroots, uh, uh, a community-based, leaderless operation. This is not about uh, Jim Newsom or Jacqueline Taylor. This is about the people in the streets, the people in the trenches that are working every day to better our community, to showcase them, to give them more exposure, to give them more community support, and, again, to create awareness in our community about all the opportunities that are taking place around us. Let's quit thinking about yesterday, and let's start thinking about tomorrow. Agreed. Okay, we can make close out here on the digital drummer. Um, we have about a minute left. So we always have our pivotal question. And uh, we opened up, I just want to share, we opened up with Polymath. And Polymath is by Anthony Stewart, another member of the Urban Tech Fair. And you can find um, Polymath as part of his album, Visual Music, M U Z 
DIC, so you can just look, look that up and find it on Bandcamp. And we're going to close out with Power. You, you've got the power. And that's um, by Hezekiah, or you know, by Johnny Popcorn. You also get a free download on it when you sign up for our news www.urbantechfair.org and just click on join in. Join the movement, be part of the movement and network and do business and meet wonderful, dynamic people and let's showcase what's going on in your own hometown. Um, the next announcement we must make is The Other Side of Hip Hop, Tuesday, May 13th, RSVP Today. Again, you can go to urbantechfair.org, go to the digital drummer menu, you will see Urban Tech Fair TV, just click on, you will be able to RSVP there. It's the other side of hip-hop, back to birth, and we are, it's a global discussion on the origins and values of hip-hop, women in hip-hop, and conscious hip-hop. We need to go back to the old landmark as the saying goes, and we need to um, instill value that um, that we're built off of a cultural phenomenon that has crossed all generations and crossed the globe. We need to go back to the beginning, build off of that, and take the ownership of our own cultural um, art and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship. Sorry, <laughs> but um, it was a great way um, for us to leverage and to do commerce and we just need to get a hold of that. We want to use technology to have this conversation and conversation. After we have the conversation, we want to see how can we, you know, make solutions. We don't want to just talk about it, but we want to be about it. So that's Tuesday, May 13th. Getting 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, from 3 to 6 Pacific Standard Time, and then you can check for the time in your area and um, just participate. And that's all I have to say. So after that, um, Enid, if you would close us out, um, our proverbial question is: You have 30 seconds in the whole world listening. What would you like to share? That we care and share. I think giving is the answer and gratitude is the foundation for anything that you do anyone does in terms of their personal and professional success. All right, thank you. And this has been the Digital Drummer. Yep, tune in in two weeks and we'll have Al and Jada Nazong, a husband and wife team promoting their new uh, brand, uh, Glamorous Geeks. So tune in in two weeks. Have a wonderful week.
Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.